You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Uh, so Taylor, uh, this is something interesting that you don't, I don't even think you know that these two movies that we're going to talk about have in common. So we each saw a movie this week and they but have something both, in common. They're both getting bad reviews? Uh, well, I actually didn't know that that your movie, She Dies Tomorrow, was getting bad reviews. I didn't know that. Um, so that, that could be one. Uh, but what I was going to say was, I don't know what either of these movies are about. I saw Tenant and I haven't seen She Dies Tomorrow and I do I know I feel I know equally little about both of those films I um don't actually know if my movie's getting bad reviews but I'm not giving it a good review so So the only movie critic you know is giving it a bad review yeah me (laughs) myself uh and the woman who walked ha- uh, who walked out, I'm I'm sure she also would give it a bad review. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so knocked walked out of the movie theater. Yeah. Okay. So we'll I'll get into it when I okay. review. Okay. But um, I did have an older gentleman say, "What was that about?" So clearly, yeah, the thing that these movies have in common is that big question marks. Yeah, big question marks coming out of that. But those are those are the two movies that uh, our listeners get the pleasure of hearing us talk about today tenet and it and she dies tomorrow uh both of which uh, clearly we've given away we're probably not giving positive reviews to yeah you so. can uh leave the episode now that's yeah. all you need to know no I'm yeah kidding. one minute in you if you're just here for the reviews it looks like it's going to be bad um, but hopefully you stick around for other things because uh, we've got a couple fan questions to kick us off and we are going to review those two movies. Um, it, it was a bit of a, I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a, I was about to say it was a bit of a somber weekend in Hollywood, but it's been sort of a somber time, I think for all of us um, for quite a while now, but uh, unfortunately Chadwick Boseman uh, died this past weekend. Um, most people would know him from Black Panther. He was also in The Five Bloods, which I reviewed a couple weeks ago, the Spike Lee film. Uh, 42, which is a movie about Jackie Robinson, um, another spectacular uh, movie. Uh, Chadwick Boseman died at, at the age of 43. Um, he unfortunately had cancer. Um, nobody really knew about it. it, and it seems like not a lot of people knew about it even within uh, the Hollywood community directors. I think it was just a secret. Like yeah, I don't think I I think like no one knew like and, outside and, his wife. You know, he, here's here's someone who who no no one knows he's going through this and he's visiting kids at at the hospital. He's doing fan. Uh, he's showing up randomly at fan things uh, right after you know Black Panther came out. He's he's filming crazy action movies and doing his own stunts and all those things. So yeah, it's uh it, it's definitely a. A real, a real loss for a, a very young talent who, who really had uh, had everything in front of him in terms of, of his movie career. Um, so a little later in the show, we'll talk a little bit more. Um, I want to just remind people uh, about the movies that I have seen of his, but uh, just a quick, quick little note. And we wish his family all the best, and and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, rest in peace for Chadwick Boseman. Definitely gone uh, way too early. Very sad. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and sudden as well. Kind of the news came out of nowhere. Um, very sudden. Actually, I got back from from uh, seeing Tenet, uh, went to sleep because I was so tired and, and emotionally exhausted from seeing Tenet, and then woke up to this news in the morning. So yeah, definitely uh, very sad. Um, we will talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, just wanted to make sure we mention it now because you know how it is, Taylor. This the, Our episodes get away from us sometimes. It's true. It was one uh, of those headlines that you almost think it has to be fake. Like hearing about Heath Ledger dying. Yeah. Thinking like, oh, that must be a hoax. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, it's one of those check several sources types of things, which is exactly what I did. I yeah. went to several places. But so, you know, I went, as I mentioned, I went to Tenet actually with, with three other people. So there's four of us who, who went to see Tenet. And, and one of the people was, was Matt uh, Salton, uh, who we've had on this show a couple of times, uh, runs the uh, Real Out Film Festival here in Kingston. He actually called me. I had a missed call from him because I had gotten home. I, again, I went to sleep. He called me about it, and, and then I got a text from him in the morning, and I, I didn't see it until Saturday morning. But, yeah, he he found out right away and, and was passing the information along. But, yeah, it, uh, it was definitely uh, really, really sad to hear. And uh, and definitely unexpected for such a great person, not just uh, a great actor, as as I you know pointed out, he, he's fantastic. But he also all the great he was doing uh, in the world, and and it's a real shame that he's gone. Yeah. Um. So anyway, with with that, as as we said, we like to try to make this show more about distracting people and, and keep it light. Movies. Yeah, so we're going to dive into it. We're going to dive into some fan questions. We're going to review some films. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. And then uh, right at the end of the episode, we'll quickly run through uh, Chadwick Boseman's career and talk a little bit about that. So let's hear from some of our fans um, before we review our movies. And let's start with the Inquisitor himself, uh, Josh, who uh, wanted to clarify something. So he said right at the beginning, oh, hey, to clarify my comment last week, the bingo square related to me uh, states that I have to ask three or more questions. My meaning was that my square will not be used last week, even though uh, it's often a freebie. So uh, we came to that conclusion, Josh, during last week's episode. I'm glad he's clarifying it. But we were right. He means it's his square because he has to ask three questions or you don't get that square. But I'm glad he did correct us because uh, we are just a couple of dummies, you know. Well, so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we don't know what's going on. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks for that. Um, but I do believe he's going to get a square this episode, correct? He, he asked three questions. So oh, yeah, anybody yeah. who's uh, who's following along with, with the bingo cards, uh, you're going to get it here because he's got three questions for us. Um, so question number one from Josh, what are your opinions on popcorn seasoning and or mixing candy into the popcorn? Does it improve it or is popcorn left alone with butter? Taylor, take it away, popcorn. Um, Unpopular opinion for some, I like the ketchup flavor. So when I go to to Cineplex, I get the, you know how you get the little pouches of seasoning? Sure, yeah. I get the ketchup pouch. Dan, we're not even married yet, but that's probably something he would divorce me about if he could. <laughs> he <laughs> he's is, not a fan. He, no, he doesn't, he doesn't a, get excited when you go in and grab that back. He's a purist <laughs> and um, absolutely hates condiments in all shapes and forms. And so when I get that ketchup flavor, um, he won't even hold my hand afterwards. 
because <laughs> of the powder wow. gets on my hand. So um, I am a ketchup flavoring fiend. However, I would not mix candy. I draw the line at mixing candy. So you you don't dump the candy into the popcorn. No, and in fact, I don't even buy candy when I go to the movie theaters. I think it's a little bit of a ripoff, you know, like how how expensive it is. I the screening room is much more affordable. Um, yeah. But no, like I don't. I know some people like mixing M and M's. I'm not. I don't necessarily like mixing my salty and sweet. Like I'd rather have those things separately. Yeah, not mixed together. Um, yeah, I, I don't, get, I don't I do trail mix. <laughs> Oh, what are, you know, what's your stance? It makes sense what you're saying though, like you don't want that, you don't, don't want that mix of flavors, you know, you don't. But I guess I'm kind of. Seasoning, I wouldn't want to throw M&Ms in there too. Like that wouldn't, I don't think that would improve it. I guess I'm kind of undermining my own argument though, because the ketchup flavoring is sweet. I guess so. <laughs> but yeah. I guess I just like, it's the whole texture thing. Like, I don't know, like but candy is candy. And chocolate are two very different types yeah. of you know, like it's, it's completely different. Um, like I'll put, I'll put ketchup on almost any types of food, but I've never been a huge fan of like ketchup seasoning on popcorn. I've liked ketchup chips, you know, in small doses, like, oh, you know, a handful of ketchup chips is kind of a nice change, but I'm not really, I'm not really into the seasoning. I think for me, popcorn is all about just popcorn and butter. And if I get a candy, I'm kind of eating it on the side. And I'm more of a gummy candy type of person. Like if I want a candy, it's going to be some sort of like gummy, the gummy bears and those types of things. Like it's not How really going to be disgusting. That's what I'm thinking. Like I like Sour Patch Kids. Like if I'm going to go yeah. candy, I want like a like a Sour Patch. Sour Patch type. Kids are great. Um, how disgusting would it be if there was Sour Patch Kids in with your popcorn? Like it would oh, get into would your. Oh, that would be no good. There's it, no way. There's it'd no get way into your molars. Good. But some people love that. I mean, some yeah. people do love um, mixing those types of flavors. And, and I just, I can't do it. I Maybe, you know, yes, okay, I'll have popcorn. But even when I have popcorn and candy next to each other, I'm eating the popcorn, maybe I'll take a drink, and then I'll have candy. I don't, like, shove it all in my mouth at once. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, next question from Josh is, what are your opinions on – oh, no, sorry. I'm almost just uh, – reread the same question is there a movie you would love to see remade so we talk about remakes all the time and being against a lot of them but he wants to know if there's one we'd actually love to see remade so i've talked about this on the show before and even fairly recently if i had the opportunity yeah i would remake the collector pretty much like shot for shot like i wish like, yeah, I just wish I could see a modern take on The Collector, but it'd be, like, a very faithful remake where it still takes place in the 60s. I would love to be control in control of that soundtrack, the musical score. So that would be what I would want to see remade, but only if it was a very faithful remake, a very, you know, yeah. And pretty much I want to be in control of it. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't want them making any major adjustments because sometimes when remakes happen, they like quote unquote modernize it or change things up a little bit. You want it to be as faithful as possible. Yeah, just with like maybe with you know modern actors. Like I sure. want to see like I want it to be hyper stylized in the way that 
the man from uncle is stylized. Um, But it just happens to be like, it was just filmed this year and happens to have like this year's actors. Sure. Sure. But, but you want it to be stylized. You want it to have that feeling. It's just, it's, it's people now. Do you have people who you cast in it? Like, do you have that? Have you gone that far? Is this Taylor's passion project? It is my passion project, but funnily enough, I've never fan casted it. But Army Hammer, I could see he's he's going to be in the remake of um, Rebecca that Netflix is releasing with the woman from Mamma Mia that is very talented. I forget oh, her name. Lily James? Yep. So Lily James and Army Hammer are both starring in the remake of Rebecca. And so it would be interesting to see how they do. And I feel like you could almost, but Army Hammer like really carries himself well. Um, And the main character in the collector is more like, um, is like supposed to be like creepy, right? Like he Mm -hmm. kidnaps a woman and keeps her in his basement. Um, So like more like, Almost like you'd almost want someone like dweeby, if that makes sense. Like, and I Army Hammer's not a, a dweeb. I, I think Army Hammer's a great actor. It's just, I don't think we've seen anything like that from him yet. Yeah, like I, and I, depending on how he does in Rebecca, I feel like he could really pull off. Like it would almost be um, casting against type. Um, but, you know, Robert Pattison at, um, could certainly, and even, you know, Zach Efron as Ted Bundy, he could pull it off. Um, like, it, I would want it to be like interesting casting. You know what I mean? Yeah, something a little bit different. Yeah. So, um, Army Hammer, because he's so, he like has the physicality, like, he is like, he looks like he could kidnap a woman. <laughs> mm. Anyways, this is yeah. getting into a weird tangent. <laughs> Obviously, this is a passion project of mine, and I'll. Yeah. Spend some the rest of the night just thinking about who could kidnap a woman believably. Yes, screen. exactly. Yeah. You'll, you'll come back with you'll come back maybe with a list. What's your top five? Yeah, who could kidnap, uh, <laughs> kidnap a woman in Hollywood. Maybe that will be my Halloween episode. Yeah. Okay. Good. No, that, I think that's a good thing to do for Halloween. Definitely. All um, right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's hard because any movie that that I really like, I'm like you know just kind of leave it alone you don't necessarily I know that's the thing um if it's not broke don't fix it yeah yeah I mean that's that's why I when when reading this question I try to think okay like is there a movie that I just felt was disappointing and maybe have more potential than than what was done with it um and one of the things that I would have said up until about I guess it would be like six seven maybe eight years ago now when would have been daredevil which got a Netflix TV series. It was a movie with Ben Affleck that was not good. And it, it, you know, I knew Daredevil from the comic books. So it would have been nice, you know, to see a, a better movie version of that, but they, they made a TV series and that was kind of the way to go. You know, if, if it didn't quite work as a, as a, as a movie, do something kind of TV series. So that's, that's almost what I kind of default to. So there was a movie that came out. It was Sean Connery's last movie, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, it was. I haven't again, seen it, but I know of it. Based on a graphic novel, some interesting characters are kind of part of it. 
Um, and it's, it's really connected around these, a lot of people from, from sort of like literature more so like it's sort of a superhero take. It's like Dorian, you know, Dorian Gray. It's from like Gray is in it. what Universal is trying to do with their dark. Yeah. Their dark universe. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, Captain, Captain Nemo <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, there's the invisible man, I think is in League of Extraordinary Um, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, like all of that. And I think that as a, a HBO or Netflix, you know, eight episode TV series, it would actually be very interesting because the whole idea is this adventurer is sort of put together with all these kind of personalities and he's trying to to do something and 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 whatever the story would end up being but this idea like because sean connery's character is this sort of like famous adventurer who's kind of older now and gets thrown into this group with with you know they, they call it the league of extraordinary gentlemen because they're all sort of fascinating and a and a vampire you know there's a lot of different things that are mixed in there and and i think that it actually would be a very interesting series to to do that too so a lot of the movies i think of are like well if it didn't work as a movie maybe it could work as like a tv series or like a limited a limited tv series what they did with watchmen i think the watchmen tv series was excellent i i did not like the watchmen movie so you know those are the types of things that i default to because if it didn't work as a movie i kind of don't want to see it as a movie again (laughs) yeah um, last question from Josh as you get his third in here. He said, with the world uh, gripped by a pandemic, do you think in the coming years there will be more movies like Contagion being made or will this be a genre that is possibly avoided? And then he says, P.S. Mike, Star Trek Discovery, that is all. Okay, Josh the Inquisitor. I think he wanted to throw that in there because I said I'd never mentioned Star Trek Discovery. So he puts it in so I have to read it. Yeah, didn't you say last episode you never want to yeah. say it again? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to comment on that dumpster fire um, of a of a TV series. So we won't talk about it. But I guess the maybe name- that can be your remake. <laughs> this is Star Trek Discovery. No, like if I like with Star Trek, I would have I would have done things way differently. Like once the J.J. Abrams movie came out, and there was a lot of um, buzz about it, and there's a lot of popularity. I wouldn't have gone backwards. I would have gone forwards. I would have made a TV series that continues the story of Star Trek and its timeline as opposed to going back. So Star Trek Discovery takes place before Captain Kirk was in command of the Enterprise, which is the first Star Trek series. I would have gone to the end. So the last Star Trek series to come out that was in that chronological order was something called Star Trek Voyager. I would have basically been like, okay, we're back in the 24th century, not the 23rd century, or we're moving forward to the end of the 24th century into the 25th century. Like I would have done that way before going backwards. And if I was to go backwards, I wouldn't go 10 years before, you know, Star Trek, the first Star Trek movie, because, you know, that going 10 years before Kirk means there's all this trouble that you get into with continuity. I would have gone, why not see the first starship to ever leave our solar system? We got the first Warp 5 ship in Enterprise, so why don't we do something where it's even less than that and they're just leaving the solar system the first time or going to Mars or all these things that would be kind of interesting. But no, let's just throw it back and make sure we have a terrible character to follow who's Spock's kind of half-sister. Ooh, that's fun. Anyway, that's Star Trek Discovery. You're, you just got as passionate as I did about the collector. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I could, I could do another 
100 episodes on just Star Trek, but I don't think our fans want to hear it. Um, Whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to uh, back to Josh's question. Um, I personally think, Taylor, that this topic is going to be avoided because for the next year or so, I think we're not going to see a lot of movies in the theater. Um, after Tenet, period. even with New Mutants, I don't like, there's a bit of a gap here before you're going to get more new releases. I think people are still not sure when they're going to release movies. And a lot of movies I'm seeing are like coming soon, but they don't have a date attached to them because no one wants to commit. I think, yeah, I, I just in terms of like logistics, right? Like there's a pause kind of on new releases. So um, everything that should have been released in 2020 is going to be released in 2021. So in a way, we're not getting new content, um, if that would be my speculation. I think it can really go both ways, though. Once they start making new movies in earnest, so, you know, new scripts are being developed, which is happening now, right? But um, it, it, it takes several years for movies to get made. So I would say in the next, you know, handful of years when we're, we're seeing genuinely new content being developed that isn't left over from kind of everything that's been on hiatus. I think it can go either way. Either we're going to get like a ton of escapist films um, where, you know, we're going to see kind of uh, a return to um, blockbuster films, um, musicals, just like pure kind of like candy films to distract yeah. us. Kind of thinking yeah. of what happened um, in terms of like after World War II, like we see like the heyday of the musical, right? Um, but on the flip side, you also have um, film noir and things like that. So like I think you're going to see two trends. One side being very like um, sugar movies where it's just like, you know, we're, we're watching them to escape. And then on the other side, you're going to have some pretty like gritty um, yeah. films that are trying to tackle um, what we experienced um, during the, our COVID period, be that, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, the, the election, like so many things happened in 2020, like pretty heavy things. So I think it's going to be two camps. Um, and it'll be interesting to see um, which films get financed, you know, are the studios going to go with the really gritty, heavy movies, or are they going to finance these escapist films? And then, you know, independent film will be financed. Um, mm -hmm. And they'll address those other um, topics. I don't know, as I've said on the show, a 100 times, I don't have a crystal ball. This <laughs> is pure speculation. Um, also, we're not you know, movie makers ourselves. So I don't really have a pulse on um, the studios. I can just say, you know, looking at historical trends, what's happened in the past after kind of global calamities, I really think it's going to be maybe not 50-50, but I think there are going to be kind of two streams of film that are going to tackle kind of our post-COVID. Um, yeah. But I honestly, uh, just in terms of how the economy is kind of, slowly chugging along and how so many films were put on hold because of COVID. I don't think we're going to get these post COVID movies for several years. Absolutely. It's going to be a while and things are going to slowly get back to there being several wide releases a week and multiple new movies that you can see in the theaters. It's going to be a while. So I think you're absolutely right. I think you outlined a perfect timetable 
that is probably exactly what's going to happen. And those two streams and two types of movies, yeah, I think that's exactly what you're going to get. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a while before you see new COVID stuff because things were shut down for filming for a bit. There's still lots of areas that uh, that don't uh, don't have film. You know, you can't, you still can't get together with enough people to to film. And uh, the U.S. is still a mess, and that's where Hollywood is. Yeah. So. But thank you, Josh, for, for all your uh, your great questions. Always great to have you writing in. And the last question from fans today comes from Akil, who writes in and says, Hello, Screening in Kingston. I wanted to get both of your opinions on paying homage to other films um, and other directors when you're creating a film. The Todd Phillips, Taxi Driver, Joker discussion is something I just listened to. I'm still catching up on your podcasts. Well, where do you think the line is for a director who borrows from other directors to pay homage to them or straight up from a movie? Do you think that this is stealing the content? Where would the line be for you? Uh, there are just so many moments from the Joker that I feel like are just like taxi driver thoughts. I mean, I mean, the art world is all about stealing and, you know, reimagining and really... Mm film in itself is just you know watching movies and saying that's pretty cool I'm gonna use that in my movie I think who was it I I think I think there's a story Orson Welles watched Stagecoach like 40 times in order to film Citizen Kane I might be getting that mixed up but uh, you know essentially we learn how to make movies by watching other movies um yeah, I think it's hard to say where the line is. I it where is it lazy and where is it playing homage, right? Like Yeah. I, like for me with the Joker it being so much like Taxi Driver, to me that was just kind of lazy. Like to yeah. me that was like uninspired. Because the whole movie is really like that. Like, I understand shots or moments, like, you know, you see where there's a moment that's kind of borrowed from something else. But that entire movie just felt like it it was a different movie. It just felt like it was Taxi Driver, but instead of the Taxi Driver, it was the Joker. Yeah. And, and to me that that's where, that's where the line is, is, is it, I, I think it's, I think it's straight up stealing when you either take the whole plot from something or you, you really take every moment and, and how things feel the sort of emotion that goes behind it as well. And, and taxi driver and, and it's just too similar for me. And, and it, it's different when it's one particular moment, like there's a great shot in the first of the new Star Wars movies, um, The Force Awakens, where you sort of see TIE fighters coming in with the sun setting in the background. And it's exactly the same shot from uh, Apocalypse Now, but, you know, replace helicopters with TIE fighters. And so that to me is paying homage because it's one moment, it's one scene, and it's meant to make you go, oh, yeah, wow, that's a cool, you know, remembering that moment's maybe the same feeling. But when you do that for an entire movie, that it, it does become a bit lazy. Yeah, and I think I just yeah, I would just describe it as sort of laziness. Like not even stealing, because again, like in the art world, it there, you know, a lot of it is just reimagining shared concepts. Mm -hmm. Sure. But um for me with 
with the Joker, like, it didn't really feel like a reimagining. Like, it, like, I think I agree with you when it's one element, right? But when it's, when it's, um, film techniques on top of sort of writing, on top of like thematic, you know, when all of those things are the same, um, I don't know, like, come on, like, get your own. Yeah, it's like story. Uh, yeah, it's like he was copying the homework, but all he did was change the names. You can see there's like literal videos out there that show you side by side, side by sides, and it's like, okay, this is a little much. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I I I'm all for like doing a little wink to the audience, right? Like, oh, this was this is a cool thing, like a little Easter egg, but. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's where I yeah. stand on that. I agree. Uh, but thank you, Akil, for that question. So Akil and Josh, thank you both for, for writing in today. Just to remind uh, everybody, if you want to uh, uh, be part of this show in any way, you can just email us anytime at screeningandkingston at gmail.com or just go on our website, screeningandkingston.com, fill out the form there uh, and write in and be part of the show. We'd love to uh, hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. It's again, it's our favorite part of the show. It's why we like to spend some so much time on it. Um, okay, Taylor, let's uh, let's get into some movie reviews. And why don't we why don't we start with uh, with She Dies Tomorrow? Because uh, even I don't know quite what uh, what that movie's about. So enlighten me and our fans. Uh, what what is this movie? And give us your thoughts about it. So the movie, the premise is a woman wakes up. Um, and she believes like wholeheartedly something, you know, we don't know what happened to her, but she has this conviction that she's going to die tomorrow. And that feeling, that conviction becomes con- contagious, essentially. So um, you spend like the, the first little bit of the movie with her and then um, a friend comes to check on her. Um, and essentially that, that conviction jumps to the friend and then the friend goes to see people and they, they also all of a sudden, um, have this conviction that they're going to die tomorrow. So, um, I've seen it build as a horror movie. I've seen it build even as a drama, like a, a drama comedy. I, um, to me, it wasn't comedic. It was in a way, almost, I would describe it maybe like a thriller, even though there wasn't anything particularly scary about it. Like, there was no jump scares. Um, the way that it was edited, it would, you know, I had this sense of tension that um, a scene would end and then they would cut to the next scene. And all of a sudden, like, I I felt like as if I had watched a jump scare, even though nothing particularly scary had happened. So I would say that the editing of the film um, was very good. That was a, a plus. Uh, overall, though, the movie is an hour and 20 minutes or it's just under it's just under an hour and 30 which we've talked about on the show before, I think is the sweet spot for most yeah. movies. Yeah, um, yeah. But it took so long to get going. So pacing was not great. Um, as I had said at the top of the show, a, a woman had walked out and didn't come back. So clearly yeah. that is not a vote of confidence. 
And then well, while she was bored or yeah. you know, just knew like, this is not for me. And then, um, the, I held the door open for a gentleman as he was leaving. He was an older man. Um, and he said, what was that all about? And I was like, sir, I do not know. So it very, um, speaking about, you know, um, filmmakers being inspired by other filmmakers using their film conventions. This movie to me, um, I don't know anything about the director. She directed and wrote it. Um, so I apologize. I don't know anything about her. I, I didn't do any research prior to going into this movie, but I felt it was very, she was very much inspired by um, David Lynch. Like there was definitely some Lynchian moments, especially the horror aspects of it. Like there was lots of things happening off screen that you were seeing the actors react to these things, but you didn't see what the scary thing was or the essentially the thing that was happening. You didn't see it. You only saw the reaction from the actors that I felt was very effective. Um, and it was, if fans of David Lynch's films will likely, um, if not, like this movie, they would certainly appreciate some of the things that she was trying to do. And that's kind of where I fall in, um, in the, in this camp. Um, I feel like with David Lynch though, there's just like more story, even when you don't necessarily know what's going on, there's still lots happening and you can kind of infer what you, you can, um, imbue the film with meaning. Whereas yeah. like there wasn't much going on with this film, um, and you never, you never see what's happening off screen. Um, there was some experimental aspects of the film that I just couldn't get on board with. I'm not, um, a huge experimental film fan. So even though I like David Lynch, even when Lynch kind of goes in his more like extreme experimental, he kind of loses me. And I feel like this film kind of lost me because there were some times where like it was getting too experimental in terms of right. like soundscape, lighting. Um, again, like you really don't learn a lot <laughs> about why all these people suddenly feel like they're going to die tomorrow. Um, so for me, this is this movie. Um, it really would appeal only to like a very select audience like i was yeah, just sounding like it's sounding like there's a select audience that would enjoy this film and love it probably yeah. like to yeah. me i'm watching i'm like oh tyler vance would love this because there's right. there's like some um like the soundscape i'm like oh tyler would be behind this soundscape so <laughs> yeah yeah Tyler will very have to, like maybe yeah very her smell <laughs> Tyler will have to watch it and um, write in and let us know I know he isn't planning on getting to the theater anytime soon but um, once he does I hope he checks it out just so that um, I can get his opinion because I do feel like this is a movie that no one I know aside from maybe Nicole <laughs> will see this movie so again, it's one of those things where you want someone else to see it just so that you can see whether or not you were crazy for not liking mm -hmm. it. Well, you you sometimes want that second opinion because yeah. you don't, you know, everyone has their own biases, but it's nice to, that's why it's nice to do shows like this and have other people see movies and talk about movies because it's good to, yeah, see exactly what you're saying. It's good to see like, am I 
crazy or like what do you always say taking crazy pills am i taking here? crazy pills in this in this instance i don't think i'm taking crazy pills especially knowing um kind of the tastes of most of our um our listeners i would say that we do have very eclectic listeners but for the most part i would say that our listeners um don't veer into kind of the experimental films which is completely fine like even myself I don't like those movies I would say that we're kind of a a, a, we appeal to everyone on this show and experimental films certainly do not appeal to everyone Um, so ultimately I would say that this would be a skip it for me but again um, with the you know with a little asterisk if you are into experimental film if you um if you are a David Lynch fan but really like where he like really pushes boundaries in terms of filmmaking and in terms of narrative, then this will likely be a movie for you. But if you like traditional narrative, traditional filmmaking, don't even look it up. Like this will not be for you. Not um, exactly a, a ringing endorsement you're giving. Like no. not, honestly, I like hearing you even talk about it. I, I still don't 100% get what's going on in the film and I'm not that interested or. <laughs> no, you're so. not going to like the most interesting thing, like you, the most interesting thing about the movie, you never get answers to. So right. it's like, well, I don't like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Taylor gives, she dies tomorrow, a skip it. Uh, but understanding that there might be people out there. Who like the it, Tyler Vance's of the world will enjoy Tyler Vance's of the world, but otherwise skip it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I saw Tenet, which uh, for, you know, most people, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. I think most people have heard it's coming out because it's got quite a lot of advertising behind it being really like the first big, big film release since March, uh, even though Unhinged came out, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. But sorry, Russell Crowe, no one's super interested in that. Um, but Tenet is the, you know, the next film from Christopher Nolan. Um, you know, and I made the, that joke at the beginning of the episode, Taylor, and and I just want to reiterate, I I cannot 100% tell you what this movie's about. Um, is it even, about businessmen in the future, like I thought? Uh, well, sort of. So this is what I glean from it is that, and without giving too much away, even though I don't know what the heck I'd spoil, um, this, this movie is essentially about time travel, but it's really about inversion. And that's kind of what they, they, they call it. It's the ability. Yeah. The ability, someone from the future is creating inverted weapons and is sending it back into the past. And a group of people are getting together to try to prevent World War III from starting. That's kind of the big line that came out of the trailer. And what an inverted weapon means is, you know, when when something is inverted, it's happening in the space and time as you, but it's back, but backwards. So there's scenes where, as they try to explain things, where so John John David Washington is is the lead, Denzel Washington's son, uh, known from Black Klansman. He plays what they just call the protagonist. And he doesn't he, have a name. No, he's the protagonist. Already, this I'm is so pretentious. Yeah, uh, well, it gets worse. So, <laughs> so basically, the idea is that he, you know, he can walk up to this bullet because this bullet's inverted and catch it. Because if in time, at, the, at some point along a time stream, if he goes to catch the bullet, it's going to jump into his hand because he was already going to go to catch it anyway. Um, the big line in the movie and the big thing they try to tell you is that. 
everything that has already happened has happened. It's just a matter of what order are you seeing it in? Are you seeing it in reverse or inversion, or are you seeing it moving forward properly? Um, this movie from the beginning has a character ask questions. I think it's John David Washington is asking questions. And the person says to them, well, don't think about it too hard. As if saying to the audience, just sit back and enjoy the ride. Don't think about it too hard. But it doesn't make any sense. So there are moments where these characters are traveling backwards through moments or you're seeing a scene that's already happened and you end up seeing it in reverse. So there's fight scenes where one person is having the fight in reverse and the other one is having the fight moving forward. And it's strange. It's very odd. And the movie does not give one moment for you to marinate in anything that it says or tries to show you. So most of the scenes that take place are around John David Washington, the protagonist, and a character called, I believe it's Neil, who is uh, uh, Robert Pattinson. So you've got Robert Pattinson and John David Washington kind of talking to each other and explaining things to each other, but you never get a moment to sit with that. You learn information as it comes along, and you don't really get a moment to sit and go, okay, okay, this is what's going on. Even the characters don't get a sit. You're off, off to the next action sequence. Um, about the first hour of the movie, I think I know what's going on. Like I understand where they have to go and why they have to go there and what they have to get and, and the reasons why. But the minute you get introduced to uh, Kenneth Branagh's character, who's the villain of, of the movie, things start to unravel in a way that, that becomes extremely confusing. Um, this movie was sloppily put together, I will say at the best. I think the writing is poor. I think the direction is is professional and well done, and the cinematography looks great, but it doesn't do a good job of the number one role of a director, which is to tell a story, to create a world and tell a story. This makes Inception look like uh, just a, a, a paint-by-numbers romantic comedy. Like, it's, Inception is, is clear in, in comparison to Tenet. Tenet is, I had three people with me, all three of which were at different levels of moviegoers. You know, someone more casual, someone who doesn't really go to movies, a couple movie buffs, like everyone's kind of a little different with what they're movie going. And not one of us really understood what was going on in the movie. We all felt well, the same. Good direction can't make up for a crappy script. Oh, and, and, you know, Christopher Nolan both directed and wrote this. So either way, it's, you know, the script itself was not very strong. I, do, I feel like it was something that if you sat down with someone and he walked you through and explained it and you could ask questions and get those answers, you would be able to know what was going on. But in film, you don't get that. You don't get to sit here and ask a bunch of questions. Usually your characters are answering questions in complex films as you go along the questions you would have. That, that doesn't really happen in this. It's confusing. It's nonsensical. Um, the, the, even down to the sound mixing and editing is awful. The sound mixing was the worst sound mixing I have seen in a professional Hollywood movie. The soundtrack was too loud at times. Really important conversations that are being had that are explaining important points about the movie are being had while a train goes by or on the water while it's really rocky and they're on a boat and it's just the waves are crashing everywhere um, in reverse. So it's, it, it's so complex that they don't give you moments to explain things. And when they do, they put sound in the background and it's hard for you to know what the heck's going on. 
Um, Tenet is is a disaster of a movie, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and even the way I'm I'm spent five minutes half heartedly and sort of broken senses trying to explain this movie. That's how it felt like going to it. I think I've, little I've seen it described as a waste. It oh uh, a waste of a lot of things because the idea of of the movie is kind of interesting and I, even as we were talking as I was leaving with people from from the theater on Friday we like were talking about well you know it would have been interesting if the movie kind of went forward and then and then you saw things like the second half of the movie you saw it in kind of reverse and it all met somewhere but this movie doesn't meet anywhere there's thirty minutes at the beginning of the film that is is unimportant Taylor. You, you start somewhere and you don't finish there. You just start somewhere, it happens, and then nothing nothing comes of it. There's no there's no purpose other than to put the protagonist in a position where he can start this film. But it took 30 minutes. To I hate exposition. I hate, well, like, sometimes you need it, right? But, like, don't yeah. spend 30 minutes setting up a story. Just give me and, the story. And have it not really connect to the rest of the movie. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, like we, you know, we talked about it, you know, I, I think I, I sort of mentioned when I saw the final, or at least the last Spider-Man movie where there's a scene where Jake Gyllenhaal literally spouts exposition for eight, for eight or 10 minutes. And it was glorious because he's a good actor and it was well-written and, and I don't like exposition either, but they did it well. Tenet didn't even try. That's how I felt. They said a couple things being like, you know, he kept a bullet sitting on the ground. He puts his hand over it and it pops into his hand and they go, you're catching the bullet because your hand was there to begin with. And he goes, cool. And then we move on. We move on as if it's like, well, how do the mechanics of that work? Like why Like, does that matter? And, and Hey, there's moments of tenant that I think had potential. There were, there were fight sequences. It was interesting. And I'm going to give credit where credit's due to these actors. John David Washington, Kenneth Branagh, and and Robert Pattinson, who, who really are, are kind of the, they're really the people we follow the most. All three of them did an excellent job. Like, just just phenomenal with their physicality, phenomenal with their, with trying to make sense of it. They are not to blame for, for this movie. It, it honestly was a disaster um, by way of writing and directing. I don't think Christopher Nolan did a great job with this. I think he had an idea and he kind of just randomly explained it to us in, in a way that didn't make sense. He just sort of rambled along. You know how some people explain things to you and like, Oh yeah, yeah, like this kind of thing. I have this idea, like they'll go back in time, but, but it's going to be inverted and when there'll be fight sequences and it'll, it'll all be about this protagonist. We're just going to call him the protagonist and he'll, he'll kind of jump forward and back in time and try, try to set these things up and you'll see things sometimes moving forward and sometimes moving backwards. And that'll be the movie. I read an article that Robert Pattinson, Pattinson didn't know what the movie was about. I and don't believe the journalists were like, Oh, like, do you just not remember? Like, and he's like, no, I don't know what it's about. No, no I, I don't think the actors know what it's about. I don't know what it's about as someone who sees movies. And again, I want to be reiterate here. Yes. I'm not like a big Nolan head and, and anyone who's a huge Christopher Nolan fan will probably defend and love this movie. I'm not like, like that, but, but I, I liked inception. I really enjoyed his take on Batman. I think he still has some of the best Batman movies. Um, I, I like a lot of things he does. I just don't like everything he does. And to me, the last two films have been disappointing that he's done. Dunkirk and Tenet 
have been disappointing for me. I, I honestly tended to skip it unless you, uh, I don't know if that's a surprise to anybody the way I've been talking. Tenet is a skip it. I don't think it's it's wis- worth going to the theaters for. I think not other worth risking better. COVID. Oh, not even close. You're missing nothing. <laughs> if you're really curious about this movie because you just are the type of person, kind of like me, when a big movie comes out, you just want to see it. Wait till it comes out. You want to be part of the dialogue. Stream it if you if you if, if if in that case. But even then, I wouldn't even bother. Like it's a skip it for me. It doesn't make sense. I've tried to have it sit with me. I think the first yeah, from 45 minutes, I was on board with what was going on. I, I, you know, the first half an hour made no sense. It didn't connect to the movie. But I didn't know that at this point in time. I thought we were all going to get somewhere. Um, and then, um, yeah, then it just hit a, hit a part where it went off on a, on a tangent, and I just couldn't follow it. So Tenet is a, is a big skip it for me. Just uh, not great. Amazing acting performances, yes. Not great writing, not great direction, terrible sound mixing. I, I thought some of the music was cool, but uh, I don't think it was well-placed. I think there, I, it, I don't know where you got that, the whole wasted thing, Taylor, but that's 100% this movie. It's wasted talent all over the place. Wah, wah. So there you go. That's my review of Tenet. Uh, skip it. Uh, she dies tomorrow. Skip it. So we're basically saying don't see either Stay of these home. movies. Keep staying home. <laughs> Stay home. <laughs> Do something else. And hopefully we'll have something better later to to talk about uh, movie. But this was not a great week for us um before we uh before we end the show i i didn't want to go back and, and talk a little bit more about chaz with chadwick boseman um as we mentioned who passed away um on friday um just to quickly uh give a little shout out to some of the films that he did and, and again i want to i want to put um this in the context of this show as we, we're a movie show so we're going to talk about this in the context of movie in hollywood um, but you know, he, there's a person here, a great person as far as I'm concerned. So I understand that and don't want to be, uh, insensitive and in saying, oh, we're only going to talk about how this affects movies, but this is a movie show. So if you're looking to, um, you know, if you're looking now, when someone passed away to look at it, what's a Chadwick Boseman movie I can, I can watch. Well, here's a couple, like we've got Black Panther is the obvious because a lot of people I'm sure have seen him in that. Um, but but the Five Bloods and, and Forty Two are also uh, two very good movies that he's in that shows the talent that that he was because I feel he was one of these actors that um, th- they're gone before they really had an opportunity to to explode because he's so talented he could have gone somewhere I, I remember you know losing um, Irfan Khan uh, a couple months ago another actor who you know was in maybe his, his late 40s, early 50s, but he was only just really starting to get massive roles in Hollywood. He was in uh, the first of the new um, uh, Jurassic uh, World movies. He was in Life of Pi. Um, he was in uh, one of the uh, one of the Dan Brown uh, Da Vinci Code movies. You know, he, he'd done a couple things here and there, but a very, very good actor who was just about to uh, to kind of break out. And for me, Chadwick Boseman was, was along that line as well, where those three movies, to me, show how great of an actor um, he is, but also the talent that, that could have been fostered into other things. Yeah, it's always sad when, you know, it. you just wish you could have seen what they could have done. If that makes sense, yeah. right? No. So yeah. it reminds me of um, Anton Yelchin. Um, 
Yes. Who he was only 27 when he passed away. Um, And you just really wish, wow, you know, what could Heath Ledger, right? What could, what could have been their career if only, but, you know, we can look back and enjoy the films that he has made. Um, So yeah, it's just, just another sad thing for 2020. And they, you know, you're right. Anton Yelchin and and Heath Ledger and, and Chadwick Boseman and really, really so many. You can go back. So many actors um, have lost their lives too, too, um, too early, too soon. Um, and even, you know, even though some of them go through a lot of trouble um, in in their past, uh, Brittany Murphy being another one, mm-hmm. um, you know, had a hard life. But you you could see you could see the passion they had when they, when you watch their films and they gave us so much, even though, even though they're, they're gone too soon, we still have a lot that they gave us, you know, Heath Ledger and, and Chadwick Boseman and all, all these people gave us a lot. Um, and uh, I like to kind of honor and remember them by, by watching their films, by seeing their talent. And it's, it's really as close as you can get to, to some of these, um, you know, some of these celebrities who you'll never get a chance to meet. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it, it's just a shame that there's so much we could see from them. And I was really looking forward to, especially his career with where Marvel was going. Black Panther was going to be at the center of what they were, uh, what they were planning to do moving forward. So that's now not going to happen. That's going to be a shift and a change, but also Taylor. I mean, we talk a little bit about this on the show, but we, we like to focus on the quality of the movies as well. But, but culturally what Black Panther was doing was so positive as well. Yeah. I've been, you know, Twitter has kind of been a fire right now, just um, talking about how for the first time, you know, young um, African-American and African-Canadian kids um, were really able to see themselves um, in a superhero, right? Um, And how they've really lost um, kind of a, a cultural touchstone for them in a sense, you know, that, um, so that's, I think that adds another layer to the grief in the sense that yeah. he played such a larger than life iconic figure and how that figure meant a lot to a lot of people. Right. So um, that's tough. Like that's sad. Like we don't really have another black Panther. Um, and as much as, you know, with the success of black Panther, people thought, okay, now is the time um, we're going to see a lot more diverse superheroes, um, you know, um, sort of black centric film um, will explode. We saw a lot of those conversations. And unfortunately, that just isn't the case. That didn't happen. So we really no. did lose as much as, you know, we lost a real human, right? Like this is a real human yeah. death. We also, in a way, lost a really beloved character. And from a film point of view, it'll be interesting to see what happens to that um, sort of that arm of the franchise, right? Like, are they going to recast? Um, uh, Although I don't know the mythology. Yeah. I mean, Taylor, that you bring up a point that, that is really interesting about the recasting, because I don't know if they will out of, out of respect for him. And how much he, that's the thing, Chadwick Boseman and, and Black Panther, T'Challa, his character that he played, is so well loved since that movie. 
I don't think anyone would accept the recasting. Yeah, it's one of those cases where, um, you know, anytime you recast something, you run the risk of it not being well-received, right? Even when the actors are still alive. Um, But to replace someone who essentially, he he did define the role. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It will be. And and I think that, you know, Kevin Feige, who, who runs Marvel for Disney, like I'm sure they were, they were as surprised as and shocked as the rest of us were. So I'm sure it's going to take a long time for them to figure out um, what to do there. But yeah, it's, it, it is a, it's just sad and it's a real shame um, that we won't get to see more from him. I know he did complete a couple movies. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking outside of the Marvel universe. He had completed a couple other films that may come out in the coming years. So we might get to see a little more um, from him of whatever was actually completed by the time they stopped filming things. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't know what they'll do with such a iconic role that really does, um, was, was defined by him. And I think a lot of people feel like it, it belongs to him. So they may have to do something differently, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about him a little bit on this show. And we try to do this every once in a while, a lot of, I mean, a lot of celebrities die. You mentioned it, Taylor, even this year, a lot of people, you know, it's been a hard year and we've lost a lot of people, lost a lot of people last year. Um, but I think it's good to remember that they're people first and, you know, they, he leaves behind a family who we wish all, all the best to, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we, it doesn't mean that just because you don't know him, you can't appreciate him. And I think that's the power movie has. We get a chance to appreciate people and feel like we get to know people in a different way. And uh, yeah, we, we lost a really good person. Uh, this time around. So, uh, you know, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Well, uh, that brings us to the end, a little bit of a somber note to, to finish things up here, but uh, we're at the end of the episode. Uh, just again, to remind people, if you want to participate in screening in Kingston, visit our website anytime, screeningandkingston.com. Um, but we hope that uh, everybody gets a chance to watch uh, some of the films we've recommended. Uh, if you want to you know, watch something that Chadwick Boseman was in, uh, or again, as we're saying, stay home from, from the movies we mentioned. Don't go see Tenet or She Dies Tomorrow because we're not recommending those to you. Um, but hopefully we'll get a chance to see some better movies in the coming week. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.